Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE Podcast. Today is Friday, February 11th, 2022. I'm a day late. I'm a day later than usual, at least. And honestly, guys, I don't have a lot of time tonight, but I did want to at least get on here to talk a little bit about this week. No, I was going to say last night. This week's episode of Dynamite because there was so much to love about it. And honestly, it was probably the perfect week to not get into like some super analytical podcast because honestly, there's probably not a lot to analyze. We're more just going to talk about subjectively what was enjoyable and not and such on this show. So I'm excited to get into all of it. And without further ado, guys, let's get going. Came to AEW to dominate. Jungle Boy Jeff Perry. Nobody is gonna take this away from me. This is mine once again. All right, you guys, I hope you have all had a great week, and I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Dynamite as much as I did. I think this was very sports entertainment-y. And we're going to definitely talk about that, too, and where that came into play. But you know what? I don't think it was too much to a fault. And and subjectively, like I said, guys, a lot of this stuff, I just, I'm going off a of feeling less of, like, an analytical point of view and just how I felt while I watched this. And there wasn't a point in this show that I, I wasn't entertained. So based off that fact, this was one of my favorite Dynamites ever. Do I think it was the most well put together? No. Do I think it was the most critically acclaimed Dynamite? No. Do I think it was the best Dynamite ever? No. A lot of no's. But uh, but do I, did I really enjoy myself while I watched it? Yes. And did, uh, did I enjoy the senseless violence in the main event? Yes. Was I hyped about two flipping women's matches? Heck yeah, I was. Tony Khan, I hear you. I see you. I know. I know. If I yell into this microphone loud enough, maybe one day you will hear me and book women's wrestling the way it deserves to be. And on top of all of that, guys, Jay White debuted. And I guess Keith Lee did too, but Jay White... No, I'm kidding. And this amazing Keith Lee debut. So the MJF segment, the awesome CM Punk, John Moxley tag team match, we're going to get into all of it. But before we do, as always, guys, I have to do it. We have to talk about it. Patreon, 99 cents, $1. I'm not sure which one. I think it's 99 cents a month. Completely ad-free, all of these shows. Patreon.com slash the WWE Podcast. Or go on the Patreon app and just search the WWE Podcast. You can get all these shows ad-free if you are a subscriber on Patreon, and I think there are other tiers as well. We're not going to get into that here. If you're interested, go check it out. On top of that, if you're interested in ad-free listening, I was about to say viewing, listening experience, you can also subscribe on iTunes. So you can get all these shows ad-free, some exclusive shows as well. It pays to be a patron. It pays to be a subscriber on iTunes. It pays to be a part of the WWE Podcast family here. Uh, with Discord servers talking about talking during WWE pay-per-views, I, I don't know. I haven't really after that Royal Rumble, guys. It's going to be pretty difficult to get me to watch another WWE pay-per-view. But um, amongst many other benefits. So if you're not a Patreon, if you're not a subscriber, if you're if you're weird, 
go check that out and uh and become a subscriber and become a patreon uh member because it's uh it's definitely a bang for your buck and worth the uh price of admission so we got a bunch of awesome great co-hosts on here besides myself uh zach smith michael ritter matt i could go on the list goes on so you're definitely uh you're definitely in the right place if you're looking for all of your pro wrestling slash sports entertainment coverage uh and if you want it ad free that's where you go. So, all right, let's get into Dynamite now, guys. Let's talk about last night's weird episode of Dynamite, but definitely super enjoyable. And let's just kick it off with the opening, which was MJF and the Pinnacle in the ring. Oh, Wardlow, Wardlow, and his cardboard cutouts were so... Wardlow, guys, is... I think I feel like Wardlow is like one of Paul Heyman's wet dreams because he doesn't overact and and I've definitely heard Paul Heyman talk a lot about this and that's why I bring it up also he's a big guy who throws other people around the ring and he's got charisma and he's just he's probably a bunch of bookers wet dreams but uh that ponytail's they got to do something with that but he's he's got to figure that out but other than that Wardlow is really good at at just putting the right amount of effort into facial expressions and the right amount of expression and he it feels like he never does the same facial expression it feels like if you guys ever seen one of those feelings charts like in a if you remember from like in like school in a in a guidance counselor's office or maybe in a therapist's office or wherever maybe just online or something one of those feelings charts with all those little smiley faces or not smiley faces just little faces with all the different uh, expressions and the feelings underneath Wardlow is like a walking feelings chart and every single emotion on there has a different expression on his face and it it's not overdone it's just really well done I don't know if anybody else is noticing this uh they definitely cut to him a couple times too during this whole spiel so I just want to give Wardlow all the props in the world because he had a squash match or later on in the show we're not going to cover it we, we you guys know you guys know the deal the only thing I'll say about it is you know what it was good to see the blade uh, and it was good to change up the length and the exact format of the whole thing. So I enjoyed that. But other than that, guys, uh, I just want to give Wardlow his flowers. And he was incredible this entire segment. And he didn't even say a word. So, all right. Then obviously we had the rest of the pinnacle come down. And MJF is carried out like a like royalty and just kisses one girl on the or gets kissed by one girl on the cheek and then just goes at it with another and it's just it's great everybody wants to boo this man out of the building so you know and the over the topness of it was something I really enjoyed it because of, of uh not just because I, I love watching MJF be this amazing heel and just booing the crap out of him even at home uh that's not true I don't do that I don't boo at my tv why do you guys do that too no um <laughs> I really I really liked how much this put CM Punk over. If you think about it, if somebody is celebrating a victory over you or over a wrestler, specifically, I guess, over a wrestler here um, so much and uh, and they're, they're making such a big deal out of it, you, the person who lost to said wrestler, must be a pretty big deal. Uh, so I really did enjoy that underlying aspect of this whole thing as well. But let's let's get to the actual meat and potatoes of uh of what happened here so mjf essentially is obviously first of all actually before i get into mjf's promo i just want to give props to justin roberts who was incredible in this segment just the right amount of disdain for mjf and sean spears and the pinnacle and everybody 
but also he's still a ring announcer and he sounded great. So announcing that entire portfolio that Sean Spears presented him with. Uh, Sean Spears also just a just like has found his role here and plays it so well. So all the props in the world to Sean Spears as well. I did want to throw that out there. And you know what? Cash Wheeler too, specifically I, both both Dax and Cash, but more so Cash Wheeler is just loving himself and enjoying the walk down to the ring and then wearing the suits and everything. It, this was all just the whole presentation of it before I continue to go on and on about how great it was was so great because it was like, God, I hate these guys. Ugh, I just wanted to I just wanted someone to suck him in the head as he's dancing down the ring with a stupid little mullet. It's great, 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 great heel work. So all right, so MJF thanks his big strapping young friend, Sean Spears, for uh, making it so he could win the match. It, you know, without Sean Spears warming him up ahead of the match, he wouldn't have been able to do it, obviously. Just Wardlow, again, not overacting, just great, great reactions to this. Uh, he does the whole thing where he claims to be better than Brett in Canada, better than Piper in Portland, and better than Punk in Chicago. And then says that his intentions now are to focus on Hangman Page and the AEW World Championship uh, and that and winning the world title. So... Before we can even get into any of that, though, we get CM Punk entering without his music. What do you know? And he didn't enter with a microphone because that would be weird that he would just have a microphone all set. No, Tony Schiavone goes up, hands him one. It just a very, although this uh, presented an impromptu match later on in the show, I really liked the, the small details that went into making this production feel real. And I will move on with that. But uh, he has... Singh and Darby Allen come out with him uh, just because, again, he's not stupid. He knows what happens. Numbers game. Good. So we like our baby faces. Smart guys. We like smart baby faces. Uh, and then the weirdest thing happens, and I just didn't expect it, and I loved it. CM Punk challenges Wardlow to a rematch, not C- uh, MJF, because Wardlow obviously was the real reason that MJF won that match. Such a brilliant ending, guys. Such a brilliant ending. And uh, this clearly gets under MJF's skin beyond belief, right? And he's like, no, 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 that's not what's going to happen. How about, I don't know, Dax, like, takes off his suit, talks about how he doesn't want to be wearing a suit. That was weird. And uh, and MJF says, you don't, you face Dax and Cash. You beat them in their rematch or whatever. You beat them and you get a match against me. That's obviously how we get our impromptu match later on between John Moxley and CM Punk. Spoiler alert: right? with John Moxley and CM Punk versus Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, FTR. And uh, he says, "Except you know, it can't be Sting or Darby Allen, obviously." So, yeah, I thought this segment was awesome, guys, and it was very sports entertainmenty. Start off the show with an opening promo, whatever, all this stuff. But I thought it was really, really well done, and MJF rarely misses you guys so this hit for me I thought this I like I said I it was entertained I was enjoyed I was enjoyed I enjoyed this and I felt like although my feelings on an impromptu match right because AEW's never done that and, and Raw and Smackdown right that happens six out of seven matches on the card right I like the sports emulation feel to AEW however I didn't mind this because I subjectively just enjoyed the match so much later on in this segment. The only thing I would have done to change a little bit would be to um, 
maybe have someone in the back like a I don't know like a Daniel Garcia annoyed with CM Punk because you know uh, he had a match or 2.0 was annoyed with CM Punk because they were supposed to have a match at that point like there was something scheduled that got bumped off the card or something along those lines I think that um I don't know exactly how to do it, guys, because I'm not the one who's booking it. But I, I think just something to make it feel a little bit more realistic. Or maybe you push something to Rampage that was supposed to be on Dynamite. Or I don't know exactly what you do. But that would have made me enjoy this and make it feel more sports-feely. And you get the fun part of an impromptu match. You can do both. You can do both. There was a lot of debate about this online, I think, as to whether or not it was a good thing to do or not and whatever. And again, AEW's pro wrestling, not sports entertainment, yada, yada, yada. There's a way to do these and do these things and do both of them and do them well. And you know what? I'm all right with the fact that they did this a little bit more on the sports entertainment side of this. I enjoyed it, like I said, subjectively. And the match, which we can just talk about now because we might as well. Here we are, right? First and foremost, guys, I got to say, the pop that John Moxley got when that, that music hit. You would think the guy's been, you know, hasn't, you would think this was his return. The fans are still so excited to see John Moxley back, as am I, obviously. So I popped huge too. And this, what a great pick. Throwing it back to when CM Punk came out immediately when John Moxley went away, right? CM Punk came out into the ring and said that, uh, you know, called John Moxley doing the most brave thing he could possibly do in the moment, just, you know, having his back regarding the entire situation. So a really, really beautiful moment as well as just awesome. Like, what a dream tag team match, John Moxley and CM Punk. And then, guys, CM Punk throughout this entire match and the match with MJF is showing me that CM Punk is the greatest seller in professional wrestling. That's right. Dolph Ziggler, I'm sorry to hear it. <laughs> and yes, Dolph Ziggler on NXT as well now, too. I'm sorry to hear it. No, uh, CM Punk, the way he sells the leg, the way he sells his panic when he's in the big rig, the way he sells any injury to his body, he doesn't just like sell it and then not sell it when it's convenient. He's it's convenient. He continues to sell the injury throughout the entire match. And uh, it's just, it's it's something that hopefully a lot of these younger guys learn from CM Punk uh, while he's wrestling in AEW still. That it adds so much effect to a match. And just, yeah, it might slow it down at points. You might not be able to do all the cool things exactly the way you normally would. But it adds so much effect to uh, to a fan watching a babyface selling an injury like that. It's so... You just want to get behind them even more. You want to be, like... It's just... It's a, it's a lost art. And I hate to be that person to say something like that. But it really is. It's a lost art. Uh, the ending to this match, I'm, you know, there were there there was one timing issue, and I'm not even gonna mention it because I just enjoyed, I just I just enjoyed this match subjectively, this match subjectively, just watching it, I I had a good time, so uh, the the uh, the big rig, uh, what's it called, what's it called, near fall was the one part that was a little off, but other than that, the timing for for John Moxley, but other than that, guys, I mean. John Moxley and CM Punk did a doomsday device in this. And uh, the double finishers, uh, the way to end the match with the tease of hitting the GTS and the paradigm shift, but instead the actual end of the match being the Anaconda vice and the bulldog choke, or I think it was a choke from um, John Moxley. Really, really, really creative and smart because I hate the idea sometimes that singles wrestlers will beat a formed and like well oiled machine 
like FTR and uh, in, in a regular tag team. So it was um, it was nice to see that they had to have both tag team partners taken out because uh, that was the only way that these two guys were going to be able to beat that team. And it was a really like well fought victory. I think FTR are like low key on a streak lately. I've really been enjoying. For a while they were kind of off. I thought they were not. It, it wasn't it wasn't the FTR that we were all excited to see in AEW and um and I feel like the last couple weeks they've been on a streak for me guys so uh, I really really love this match and I know we're hopping all over the place uh but let me let me just go right off of that and, and let's talk about the two women's matches on the show and yes you guys your ears are not deceiving you I said it two women's matches yes technically they were both glorified squashes but two women's matches, guys, on one Dynamite show. We are making progress. Keep it up, team, squad, group. I know you're out there. I know you guys are out there. Uh, you freaking deep fanatics like I am. So um, I want to quickly talk about the Jade Cargill match first. Uh, AQA, otherwise known. I'm going to start calling her Aqua. 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 We're calling her Aqua. Um, awesome. Awesome, awesome debut. I remember, if I'm correct, she was the one who beat Tony Storm randomly on an NXT show. I could be wrong about that with the, with that shooting star press. That looked great, and that near fall was awesome. And I think um, it was no mistake that Jade Cargill threw out that good line about being green like money, right? Obviously referring to the fact that she's still very new to wrestling, right? And, uh, and then she wrestled another green wrestler, right? Aqua. Uh, and uh, another Booker T trainee, which was good to see. And uh, and she was able... This was like a competent wrestling match. She was able to carry... I don't mean it like that. So patronizing. Like, I'm like, oh, good, good job, team. No. Like, this, she was able to... Uh, yeah, the two women got lost here and there. And there was a spot in the... After the, after the near fall of the Shooting Star Press... Um, where they kind of had to, you know, reset, redo on the other side. But for the most part, like, this was enjoyable, good, entertaining. I was really, like, best-case scenario for me, guys. So, all power to Jade Cargill, calling herself green like money, and then showing that she, you know, still only a couple months in to this uh, pro wrestling thing, she's able to carry a match. So, with somebody who is not a, um, a seasoned veteran whatsoever. Uh, and, you know, and we're talking beyond your just Ty Conti's and uh, Anna Jays who are a green still as well. But you're like your fresh crop green, green trainees like uh, like AQA. So I really thought this was a great match and it was really cool to see AQA. And I hope we continue to see her. I thought her little promo, you know, on the way to the ring during the entrance had a lot of fire. So I'm I'm interested in seeing the rise of AQA. Sadly, I, I think that means I'm going to have to start watching Elevation and Dark, and, and I don't nearly do enough of that. So moving on to the second women's match of the night. Serena Deeb is getting her own five-minute challenge, guys. She uh, came down. There was already... I'm going to forget this woman's name, and maybe I'll, I'll look it up so I don't seem too unprofessional to you guys. Uh, but the professor's five-minute rookie challenge, Serena Deeb uh, versus Katie Arquette is the name. Yeah, I mean, not much to say about Katie Arquette. Sadly, I was not focused on her during this. This five-minute challenge was awesome. Uh, Serena Deeb comes out of the ring cutting a promo about how nobody can last with her, how she beat Sky Blue so impressively the week before. Uh, she quickly... 
like the my favorite part of this whole thing was she that was she looks at her wrist like looking at the uh looking at a watch i loved that part turns around lets katie arquette get uh, grab her from behind but the way she wrenches in that serenity lock with the arm twisted around like oh my gosh we i both my fiance and i winced in pain for this poor poor woman who got put in this hold it looked brutal and Serena Deeb is just showing that she is better than anybody else at what she's doing right now. So I really, really enjoyed this. Um, and uh, two more segments I really want to cover on this show, you guys, which was the, uh, excuse me, three more segments. The Inner Circle team meeting. Uh, first and foremost, let's go back to earlier in the beginning of the show. And uh, we had Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, and uh, Chris Jericho all come out. And then Santana and Ortiz obviously came out separately with their own entrance music, which, by the way, guys, is awful. Does anybody else feel that that music is terrible? However, what was not terrible was the dialogue. Because give Santana a microphone every day of the god week this guy is such a good underrated promo and i feel like we talk about it every single time they give him a microphone i get on this i get my little microphone here and we rant and rave about santana ortiz's lines were cute about with the you know with that we we solve our problems with our fists like okay manly man stuff we watch spike tv and solve our problems with our fists and drive our f1 550s or whatever that truck is you guys know what I'm trying to say. I think it just was not, uh, it wasn't, maybe you don't know what I'm trying to say because I don't even think I knew what I was trying to say at that point. However, I really, really like this segment because it was the first time I felt like this, this program was going somewhere that didn't feel like it was being 100% directed by Chris Jericho's ego. And I'm really excited for the return of Eddie Kingston. I assume now I'm actually this somehow this segment, guys, got me more excited for the match with Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho at Revolution, if that's where they're headed, than the last couple weeks, months have of, I don't know, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia and all this stuff and whatever. I just this this was the best thing that the inner circle has been a part of and the best thing that Proud and Powerful, the best thing that Chris Jericho has been a, a part of. I would even say Sammy Guevara, which I, obviously he had a part in this as well. We're not going to do the whole recap, but um, in a while, I, I really thought this was a good segment, and uh, and I'm excited. I thought that, like I said, I thought the dialogue back and dialogue back and forth was good. I thought Santana particularly cut a great promo. It was it. I think Ortiz looks incredible. I will give him that absolutely. And uh, Jake Hager didn't say anything, but he stood there. So I'm excited for the match next week. My early prediction. I don't know. I I guess it would it would behoove the, them not to go with proud and powerful because you want the momentum. But then I don't know. D d does Chris Jericho cheat to win, and that's a heel turn? Maybe that's where they're gonna go. That's my assumption. So, uh, with all that being said, guys, the next thing I want to talk about is the best debut on this episode in Dynamite in a while, and that was, of course, none other, two words, Jay White. Of course, I'm talking about Keith Lee, but, however, I do want to talk about that quick segment backstage with the Young Bucks and Adam Cole and um, Trent and Rocky Romero and all this. I, the only thing I want to say about this is it was another backstage interruption, and the reason I'm bringing it up not is to just bring up another backstage interruption because it happens all the time, right? 
Uh, better than that one show, but still happens at least once a show. At least once a show. Find me, guys. I'm begging you. Somebody out there, find me a dynamite where there isn't a backstage interruption on it. Or at least, at the very least, an interruption at all. Uh, but the Young Bucks said something like, oh, you know, we looked at the script, saw you were doing a little interview or whatever, like, thought we'd come interrupt. Like, which is essentially, like, how AEW does the stuff with the quote-unquote hidden camera. And, like, I admire them for making an effort, I guess. But here's the problem, is when you do all these backstage, like, interruptions and stuff like that, it doesn't work. You You can't acknowledge what you're doing and that just be okay it's like it would be like me coming to your house right now knocking on your door opening up the door punching you in the face and saying yeah well I'm punching you in the face right now it doesn't it doesn't work as much so that analogy made no sense but let's roll with it guys um let's talk about Keith Lee because Keith Lee was unbelievable first and foremost guys the pop second I'm I, I feel like there's so many wonderful things I loved about the show I'm not going to nearly hit every point but I do want to mention this stuff. First and foremost, the pop for Keith Lee was so... I just... It felt so good to hear him get get a response that he truly, really deserves, right? We have all... I assume if you're listening to a podcast called the WWE Podcast, you have probably suffered alongside me as we watch Keith Lee be told that he has to wear a shirt because he doesn't have a six-pack. Be told that he has to wrestle... Like a big man because he weighs over 300 pounds. Be told that he has to have a gimmick because the way he is isn't good enough as Keith Lee. And be not given a microphone because the way he cuts a promo isn't the way Vince McMahon sees a big man cut a promo. And Keith Lee came out there, soaked it all in. The crowd was going wild for Keith Lee. Took his fucking goddamn time. Taking that shirt vest thing off, soaking it in, right? And I couldn't have been happy for him, happier for him. Number two, Isaiah Cassidy, the perfect opponent. I love the scream that Isaiah Cassidy does when he gets thrown up in the air, thrown out of the ring, whatever, power slammed. I was really hoping it was going to be on a spirit bomb, but I was okay with this as well. Three. Keith Lee's in-ring work, right? Oh my gosh. The beginning of the match where he just chucked Isaiah Cassidy. And on top of that, right, the crossbody over the rope. Like the Keith Lee that we know and love. And not even all of it. Keith Lee saved some of that in the repertoire for next time we see him. For the time after that. For the ladder match. Like there is so much more coming from Keith Lee than we even saw. And and what we saw was it, it just... It felt so good to know that that Keith Lee was actually in there the entire time. He didn't go anywhere. He just wasn't allowed to do what he wanted to do. Uh, the outside power bombs on both the private party uh, looked effortless. That power bomb on the apron looked brutal, brutal, brutal. I love the finish this match. And uh, number four, Isaiah Cassidy. What a performance by Isaiah Cassidy. The man, like. Right, of course, Keith Lee is so strong and is able to throw him around like that. But Isaiah Cassidy is getting that elevation as well and making Keith Lee look like a million bucks. So like I said, kind of falls back into point number two here of why, what a good opponent. What a perfect opponent for this specific debut of Keith Lee on Dynamite. And uh, last but not least, guys, I want to talk about Matt Hardy. What do you know I want to talk about Matt Hardy, who walked out on Private Party? What I'm hoping this means 
It probably won't, guys, but what I'm hoping it means is that Private Party can break off of the Hardy family office. We can get their old theme song back because I love that, like, the blah, 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 Private Party. Like, that, that, I miss that theme song. And I miss the, um, I miss Private Party without Matt Hardy behind them. It's a buzzkill. Uh, people think Jeff Hardy's coming, and that's why this is happening for the nostalgia show. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I Don't get me wrong. I was a young girl with uh, the biggest crush. I wasn't even that young. I was the biggest crush on Jeff Hardy, uh, and and I was always uh, rooting for him during that whole WWE championship. Like, I, was, I, was a, I am still a Jeff Hardy fan, but the man, it looks painful. I have secondhand pain watching him wrestle, whether or not he's in pain or not. Um... And, uh, and any other opinions I have on anything else going on doesn't really matter. So, yeah, I just, I don't need to see the nostalgia show, uh, to me, the, the, I just, I can't imagine how they're, I, they could prove me wrong, prove me wrong, and, like, they do with Sting every single time Sting puts on a performance, somehow manages to wrestle, and they hide the negatives and accentuate the positives so much so that this man does not look his age whatsoever, in fact, he looks about half his age, so maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they will do something incredibly impressive with uh, with Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy when Jeff Hardy comes in. But yes, Keith Lee, awesome. Just really, like, I really wanted to put that over. And honestly, I hope he wins the Face the Revolution match. Uh, and I assume maybe Wardlow might win, too. We, we haven't even gotten that far, though. Uh, that's a whole other conversation I have, too, on a preview and prediction show for Revolution, which is shaping up to be a pretty great card. And, uh, and yeah, and then we had, um, oh, sorry, what was I saying? I was saying, I, I think Keith Lee is going to win that, though, if it's not Wardlow. And we're going to get, uh, Keith Lee versus Sammy Guevara, which is a dream match for me. I don't know about you guys. So, uh, I didn't even know it was a dream match, but it's a dream match. Uh, just, again, I think, you know, Isaiah Cassidy made, uh, Keith Lee look this great. I can't imagine how great Sammy Guevara is going to make him look as well. So maybe if he sells an injury sustainably like CM Punk, even better. But, uh, all right, last and not, last but not least, last but certainly not least, let's talk about that cocaine empty calorie banger that was the main event, the Texas death match between Lance Archer and Hangman Page. And let's go negative first, guys, because... I want to end this show on a positive note. I've been relatively mostly positive, I'd like, th I'd like to think here. Um, <sighs> this feud was awful and unimpressive and not good. Let's call a spade a spade. This wasn't good, right? However, with that being said, I don't know about you guys, I had a good old time watching this f***ing match. Uh, the, we'll talk about the finish, but uh, yeah, the color always helps. It helped that this match wasn't very long. That helped the pacing of the whole show. And um, it was really helpful, too, that uh, that they beat the living crap out of each other and Hangman Page is a lunatic. Uh, it was, I, like, bumps like that bump on the steel stairs will never get... It, I just, I don't know how you'll ever, ever normalize that as much as AEW definitely pushes the throttle all the way down with all this violence and gore a lot, probably way overused. So that's, that's negative and positive, I guess. Let's go back to the negative here. Um, imagine how much even, imagine how much more you would have enjoyed this match if AEW was a little bit more restrained with its uh, extremely violent matches. Um, 
I, I, let's just put a spade a spade. I have to call uh, not to call a spade a spade. What am I trying to say? To keep it simple, I don't. Uh, I, d I don't think we have enough time to go down the whole. <laughs> at least I don't have enough time right now to go down the whole that whole rabbit hole of AEW's problem uh, with just being a little bit, a little bit too excessive with the blood, the violence, the gore, the matches, like the blood. I mean the blood matches, the uh, no DQ matches, the lights out matches, the Texas Death matches, all that stuff. It's a little bit. You know, anything is supply and demand, guys. And when you get more of it, it's not as valuable as when there's less of it. That's just how everything works in the world. Uh, that is why there's very few of things that are supposed to be very valuable. I assume that's how this whole NFT thing is working. I don't really know. I, I don't I don't even know what NF an NFT really is. To me, it looks like a drawing that my dog could probably do most of the time. So, all right. Uh, but back to this main event. Let's talk about the positive, and the final positive I want to talk about is uh, the finish. Wow, what a creative finishing maneuver. Who am I? Bully Ray? I, what a creative finishing uh, sequence to the end of the match, right? Yeah, okay, so there's been this theme with this Brian Danielson match and Hangman Page where... It's really hard to take Hangman Page out enough to the point where Hangman Page is unable to hit the buckshot lariat, right? It is his number one move, the move that gets it done for him. You take out his legs, you take out his arms, somehow he still managed to do it, right? Dan Lambert saw that. He goes and removes the top rope so uh, Hangman Page can't hit it. Instead, after some barbed wire shot, Hangman Page, uh, by the way, after being ricocheted, like just like bouncing like a cartoon character off the steel steps from the ring post from the black, uh, what is it called? The blackout from the off the ring apron onto the steel steps into the steel post. Uh, does a, uh, after punching Lance Archer in a bunch of times with the barbed wire, does the buckshot lariat off the referee's back, off, I think it was Bryce Remsburg's back, through a table. They overshot it a little bit, sure. Who cares? And then he's able to get up and uh, obviously get the victory. What uh, an awesome finish. However, I will throw this out to you. And again, I hate to be negative, Nelly, on this because I really did enjoy this show. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest, right? I really subjectively just had a good time watching this show, you guys. If it weren't for that finish, yeah, the, don't get me wrong. The blackout was like, crazy. But if it weren't for that finish, would we really be sitting here talking about how fun this whole thing was? I don't know about you. I don't think I would. You remember the last thing you see. It's always the most important thing. Uh, so to close out a show like that is great. But... I still stand by my point. They didn't need to book this. This was a waste of time for me. Uh, they could have done a better challenger. Uh, I understand it's like, oh, it's an interim, ch interim challenge. Intern? In you guys know what I'm trying to say. The the same word that uh, makes it so Sammy Guevara is apparently allowed to wear two title belts. It's ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not even going there right now. Um, but you have so many amazing people on that roster. There's You could have done something much better than, you know... Uh, putting your body, uh, putting your champion and this other guy's body through all this violence for what? For what? For empty calories. You know, guys, I have empty calories at home. I don't need it on my AEW television that much. So, all right. With all that being said, though, guys, I, I, I'm sorry this review was a little bit shorter this week. I know we didn't go down the entire card, but we covered the main points. That's what matters. And, uh, and I'm sorry I was a little late this week as well. Um, 
we're going to get back on schedule next week, and uh, we're going to be on the road to revolution. So a lot to look forward to, and uh, thank you. If this is your first time listening, thank you. If this is not your first time listening, thank you as well. Uh, it always baffles me that you guys enjoy ta- hearing me talk about pro wrestling. It's mind-blowing to me. So thank you as always, and I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwepodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.